Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. It is National Poetry Month, and my very special guest tonight is poet and artist extraordinaire, Diane Wilburn Parks. Hello, Diane. Welcome to the program. Hello, Michael. How are you? I am quite well. I am so glad that you're with me tonight. Well, I am so glad to be with you tonight, and I want to say thank you for having me on this radio blog talk program. Well, thank you. Let's begin our journey together, all right? Absolutely. All right. (laughs) Diane, (laughs) what is poetry? Well, Michael, that's a loaded question. It's it's only three words to it, but it's loaded. Mm -hmm. And uh, poetry means so much to me. Uh, really, let me first start by saying I'm never in the room alone when I write poetry. Poetry is something that I truly believe I am gifted with, and I believe the gift came from God. Let me first say that. So in my experience as a poet, poetry for me is a unique language. It is the language of the poet's observation, Uh, his or her experience, um, their emotion. And sometimes those emotions or observations, they kind of slow dance into your purview. They kind of gallop in. They paint the page. And it really is a perspective of ideas from the poet's thoughts and life experiences. It's almost what I would consider maybe even a time stamp, Um, where we are bringing in beautiful words, sometimes rosy, uh, sun-filled, very illuminated words, and sometimes they're dark. It just depends on where we are in that moment and time. But I love the fact that we can give rhythm, even without rhyme, in poetry. So I kind of consider poetry as a beautiful uh, arrangement of charismatic words. A beautiful arrangement of charismatic words. Wow, I like that. You know, Diane, I'm going to tell you right now, I've got the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> I have a good, uh, but mine is not. I'm smiling too. Oh, you're so easy for me. I love poetry. I know. I can tell. I can tell. That's why I invited you, because I can tell you love it. You love it, and I want you to be able to talk about it as often as you can. All right? This month, as we both know, yes, it's National Poetry Month. Why is it important that we as poets celebrate who we are? I think we all should celebrate who we are, poets, visual artists, um, creatives. We should always be celebrating. 
And this month just gives us that spotlight, doesn't it? It gives us an opportunity to really um, have poetry all month long. Uh, I have poetry every day in my life because, as I've said to some poets, I don't know who I would be if I did not have poetry in my life, if I were not a poet. So for me, it is extremely important, and I'll tell you why. During this pandemic, during this isolation, and a lot, so many of us have suffered losses during this time. Um, there has been, you know, maybe even medical conditions that COVID has, have, has brought on, uh, being sedentary, all of those uh, things that have occurred during this isolation period and this pandemic period, that in and of itself says that poetry gives us a, an avenue, a route, a path to clear what has been inside of us that's welling up uh, we need a place to land and the page and the ability to write poetry and to read poetry and to commune with poets is uh, a celebration of it in itself. So uh, po- Poetry Month is, was inspired by Black History Month, and mm-hmm. it certainly has taken on a life of its own, and I am happy to be a poet in in April, I'm happy to be a poet in any month, any week, and any day of the year. Wow. You know, as you think about your body of work, what are some of the predominant themes? Okay, so for my body of work, I I will tell you that there's light, there is darkness, um, there is um, color, and there's so much imagery in my work. I want to bring bring people very close. And some, you know, sometimes I do understand that my writing, because I love metaphors, personification, similes, I love alliterations. But what I do with poetry is, is I love words, and I love hiding uh, some of the pain of my work. Uh, a lot of people don't say that, Diane, you, you write in a way that may not be as clear. Uh, that's fine. I, I understand that, but that's the gift that when God and I am in this room composing, uh, that's what we do. We write the way that we write. I, I, it comes out of me that way. So uh, I don't make any apologies for it. I hope that others will be able to understand some of the writing that I do, and I know, I know that a lot of people do. But um, I do, I, you know, I have to tell you this, Michael. I'm kind of sidewalking this one. But let me right. tell you, uh, I was invited to a poetry group, and it was the most welcoming moment that I've spent as a reader in a group when I wrote this poem that I will read to you, it's called Holding Space. Right. And to have someone, I thought I was hidden inside of this poem. But when I read it, it's amazing how this, this poet said, I wonder what that was like. He took, I used these specific 
speechless. So I said, you know, I described my father as anguished, my mother as matchless. And do you know what he said? He said, I wonder what it was like to live in a home with a matchless mother and an, and an anguished father. I was mm. like, wow. Wow. It, you know, it tore me up because I knew what I was saying, but I didn't think yes. anybody else would hone in on that. And that was just mm-hmm. absolutely a beautiful moment where someone clearly sees you. And sometimes when we attempt to hide in, in words, um, someone will find us. Well, would you be willing to share that poem now? Absolutely. Let me, you'd love to hear it, and I'd love to read it. And I think this is going to be the title of my next manuscript, and it's, it's, it's a very short poem, and it's entitled Holding Space. The Sons and Daughters Who Save Us is a place of music. I was once a daughter. I came with a matchless mother and an anguished father. They loved me. I have lost their scent and the peace that I gathered from their arms. Death separates us. The roasted ache of pain lives inside the gardens of my chest where I laid them down with moon and worry, rosemary and time leaven the bruises touching the night's flesh. And for a moment, I smell Georgia from the back door of my chest, stacked with melons where seeds sprout from a veil of my mother's green thumbs. I have been holding space on a vine of deep breaths. It's so dark here. I need their light. Thank you. You know, I'm speechless because I, too, live with a matchless mother and an anguished father. So that really touched me. Wow. That really touched Thank me. Thank you. Yeah. I was, I was full of tears. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I was just going to say, let's go back in time for a moment. Yeah. What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Well, you know, I can tell you that I started writing at age 11, but, I, I, you know, I have to clean something up because I believe I've said this before in other interviews, but I'm cleaning it up now. Um, I was writing mm-hmm. creatively. There, I love floral language. At least this is what a teacher said to me. Your, your writing is so flowery, and I'm asking for one sentence. And you've come up with these, you know, colorful words, uh, and I can't get through the sentence for all of the description. And so um, when I started writing, and, uh, you know, there were so many rules. I don't like rules in writing because that's the place I'm going to freely express myself. So it wasn't until I was in the Air Force and I went to England and I believe I was a serious, I seriously considered a poet at that point. Um, mm-hmm. When you're in isolation, alone, away from home and family, um, poetry really became 
a friend to me. It was it, it cleared a lot of heavy nights of crying and, and the loneliness that we find ourselves when you're in a very in a foreign place. And um that is really when I go back in thought and time, I would say that it was in England. And let me tell you what happened from that experience. This is as much as I poured myself, I shed so much of myself on the page mm-hmm. in England. And when I got stationed back here at Fort Meade, do you know that they, out of all the boxes that were sent back here for me, they lost the box where my writings were, were in. And I stopped writing for a, a long period of time because I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't duplicate the work that had been lost because I was a true writer with paper yes. and pen. And um, and so I just stopped writing for several years, and perhaps it was, I would say, close to ten years. I I just didn't write anymore until I picked it back up again. Yeah, so I was very heartbroken. It's like losing, you know. I I I describe writing poetry as a birthing experience. Every poem is a baby, and to lose mm-hmm. your children. Your your paper mm. children is uh, is devastating, and so it was a moment. And I guess I mourned for ten years and did not write oh, wow. for ten years. Yeah. Wow. Well, when yeah. you think about writing a poem, how does it begin for you with an idea, a form, or an image? Well, let's 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 uh, let's, let's exclude the one that doesn't. That doesn't it doesn't even come into play is form. I'm not interested in form. Mm-hmm. I'm a free verse poet. All right. So all right. So yeah. So the idea, um, and image. So for me, what I need is a quiet room with a window. Um, the window gives me an opportunity to unleash all of these amazing flowing thoughts. And when I am in a closed space, I, can't, I couldn't imagine just writing with walls and no windows. I have to have a window because that's, that's a space for me to look out, right? So yes. um, first, first and foremost, I also love images. And imagery. So uh, sometimes I have I love acrostic poetry. I look at things in the in the maybe uh, natural landscape, things that have patinaed or gotten old, you know, rust. Um, I like looking at even let me just say old bridges or steps hmm. in a landscape, rocks. Those things have the power to speak about what is happening and what has happened. And so I like to look at those objects, those things that have mastered time in some way or some fashion because they're still here. And I just look at them as if they are speaking to me. And uh, so if I can look at something like that, a tree, uh, all the beautiful colors of a butterfly's wings, 
Um, anything like that um, evokes writing. Um, it clearly is magical for me to even um, to hear sometimes music, but very rarely. It has to be a certain kind, uh, mm-hmm. but very rarely. I, I prefer the room to be absolutely quiet, and and then I write, and it flows like water. It flows like water. Well, as yeah. we think of this flow, all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them special or great in your eyes? Well, I'll tell you, um, and I don't want to sound cliche, but mm-hmm. when we talk about influencers, I will say that my mother, she's not a writer, but she certainly mm-hmm. influenced me. And some of the things that she said was amazing. But if we're talking about poets that I love and like, then um, – I won't say that they influenced my writing one way or the other, but I do love to read um, the works of Rita Dove, uh, certainly Gwendolyn Brooks. I love the work of Franz Wright and uh, Sonia Sanchez. I even like, you know, some of the poets uh, today, like Tracy K. Smith, Louise Gluck, and to include, you know, so many others. I mean, so many people that I've heard and read and I have books from so many poets. And I want to always, let me just say this, acknowledge the State Poet Laureate, uh, Grace Cavalieri. I do love her work as well. Mm, very nice. Please share a poem. Yeah. Okay, so let me just, since I went all the way back to mm-hmm. where I stopped writing, this it takes me, this is way back when, in 2000, I wrote uh, Ruby Thoughts, and it's a, it's a self-published book. And this is um, a poem with some rhythm uh, to it. It's, it's not that long, and it's called Skirt. Girl, I wore that skirt out. The way it stretched <laughs> across my hips, laid over my thighs, and swung to the cadence of my feet. I knew he was looking, she was looking, they were looking at the rhythm, the movement, the flow, the grooving on a Sunday afternoon. How it caressed my body, claiming wrinkles and lines and pleats and folds while smoothing them out. My skirt made moves that were unexplainable, kissing every corner, hugging every step, taking deep breaths while I waited to exhale, body erect, attitude swollen, skirt in motion. I thought to myself, you are something else, somebody, somebody, and every woman's envy. Big hips, neatly curved, shadowed images, so fashionable. The shape, the bounce, the grind, the dip, the swing that swung, the bold introduction. He was looking, she was looking. They were looking at the rhythm, the movement, the flow of my sculpture body wrapped in a hand-me-down skirt. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, hand me down skirt. That's right. After all of that, it's just a hand me down skirt. <laughs> you know, 
this is, in addition to being a blog talk show, is also a call-in show. And there are a number of people already here to talk to you, to ask you questions. So let's begin this part of the program, if I may. You ready? Wonderful. Yeah. All right, all right. Area code 301, the first three numbers are 627, you're on the air. Hello, good evening. Well, maybe this particular person is just here to listen. All right, we'll try another number here. Area code 703, the first three numbers are 354. You're on the air. I have a question for Diane. Hello. Well, I guess they're just listening too, Diane. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm glad you're here. Wonderful. Yes. Okay. Let's try this one. Area code two four zero. The first three numbers are three five three. You're on the air with Diane. Hello. Oh, I was hoping to be the first number. <laughs> <laughs> that is the queen. <laughs> Both of you know my voice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, man, I've been having such a wonderful time with you all. It is so hard not to just break in. <laughs> when, Queen, when Queen Lady Di did my my favorite poem of hers, Skirt. <laughs> I love that poem. And I like to do it in person so people can get a little bit of what it really is. All right, all right, all right. So how's Beautiful going? lady, Y'all are doing great. do you have a question for Diane? A question for Diane. Diane and I, I, I just don't know what I want to ask. I never thought I would ask her a question. Mm-hmm. What is it that I don't know? What don't you know? <sighs> Diane. <laughs> Have you written a poem for Cooper? You know what? I have never written a poem for Cooper. But you know what? Maybe I should. Yeah, maybe I should write a – because Cooper is is my writing companion um, uh, also. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's my dog. That's my little dog. And, yeah, I need to write a poem. (laughs) Yeah, Um, <laughs> he only barks when you tell him to. That's that's amazing. That's a good yeah. dog. That's a good dog. <laughs> yeah, that's a, he only barks when he's at. That's when he's at. That's right. And I'm telling the truth. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you, beautiful lady. We're going to take some other callers here, but thank you so much. All right. <laughs> I'm glad you called in. <laughs> Makes me so happy. I'm, I'm just happy. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> you always like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <I> am. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Area code 757-672. You're on the air with Diane. Hello. Yes. Hi, Diane. This is Irma. How are you? Hello, Irma. How are you? <laughs> well, my girl, for, you're doing well? 
Yes, I'm doing well. And first of all, I want to say that I am really enjoying the show. And uh, that that skirt poem that you read was very visual. It reminded me of Maya Angelou. So my question mm-hmm. to you is, what made you write that poem? You were talking about certain things and images. Tell me about that poem. Just you know, the poem, uh, Holding Space. Yeah, no, holding the first poem. The first poem. No, the skirt holding. poem. The one about oh, the skirt. The, skirt. I, I the one I'm about so the skirt. Yes, ma'am. skirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the skirt yes. used to be about me. I think you remember me back in the day, Irma. And so that, <laughs> that poem was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, you said enough. You said enough. Okay, okay. Okay, I get it. Well, thank you, Irma. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. All right. All right, bye. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's try one more. <laughs> let's try one more, and then we'll take a brief break, all right? <laughs> okay. Every code 410-433. You're on the air with Diane. Good evening. Hello. 410-313. You're on the air. You're just here to listen. All right. <laughs> all right, then. Let's try one thing. Hello, 410, are you there? 313? They're just listening, Diane. Let's try one more, and we'll take a brief break. 240-505, you're on the air with Diane. Hello, Diane, it's Patrice. Hi, Patrice, how are you? (laughs) I'm fine. I'm just Thank enjoying the laughter. I'm just saying, how can people be so happy? But I see I know. Um, I, I was just trying to construct my question because, as usual, my questions come in swirls and they get embedded in thoughts. And I was thinking about something you said when you first started, being, and I've heard you say this before, um, about your teacher making the comment that your writing was so flowery and so there's so much imagery and that's what I usually comment on when I make a comment on your poems you know when we're on open mic um right and those words you know I always feel so this part is a is a comment and then I'll get to the question I always feel like your poems draw people in I felt like you know how something so like there's some kind of magnetic pull drawing mm-hmm. you in and you take your listeners into or readers whichever into a deep place and I find myself I felt like your teacher that's what I was going to say I kind of related Mm. in a short in a small way because you said she said I only asked for this and you went on and on and on and on so that's how I kind of feel like I'm trying to get the meaning but you just keep drawing me further and further into your mind I guess and then you talked about having to have that window so what draws you to the window and I was imagining that you go there for the visual images but you don't always see out the window what you write about but what about the window draws you there I heard you say it's like freedom 
a free like well, a free space for you. Well, the 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 most important thing uh, about having a window, it is all of the things that you will find in my writing, and sometimes not. We talk. I talk about the sky, and I talk about air, and the sun, and the night, and the trees, and the birds. So everything. So I don't necessarily have to look at those things. But let me just say mm-hmm. this: my mind is so saturated with so much stuff in it that I have to have mm-hmm. a space that's clear. But I also have to be able to look out the window where I can catch my breath. There is something that happens to a poet. I don't know to all poets, but there are little heartbeats when you know that you have something that's very unique, something that's very wonderful about a line that you've composed. And there's something that, some kind of fluttering that occurs when that happens. So for me, there's so much going on on the inside of me. I need to be able to look out to catch my breath and to be able to say, okay, I'm here now. I'm not just floating in these absolutely beautiful thoughts, and I'm always taking people somewhere. I think for you, Patrice, you would have to see the the poems on page uh, because we talked about this before. So my poetry, there is significant points. There is significant truth and bleeding in the poem. But you have to sometimes be able to see it on page rather than hear it because I do use a lot of imagery in my work. They're they're not so flowery at that time then, but they are saying something and they are going somewhere. You just got to be able to yeah, look at them on the page. Yeah, there's a lot of deep meaning. Right. I do, yeah. I do know that there's a lot of deep meaning in your poetry, and I yeah. am very visual. So when I can't see something, I'm – busy, you know, busily uh, trying to construct a visual in my head. But when someone is reading their poetry, sometimes that's hard to do because they're moving on to yeah. another thought or to a deeper another thought. And you yes. still, I, get, I get stuck. <laughs> I get yeah. stuck. But I find that I'm drawn to uh, the same, I get the same, a similar feeling, driving. And that's how when I'm driving, a lot of those kind of thoughts come to me, kind of extraneous thoughts about things in the, you know, Outside or well, I hope I, in I my hope world. I hope I, I helped you by answering that, uh, Patrice. Yeah, I, I just was. I was when I heard you say the window. I just, you yeah. know, kind of had that question came up in my mind. Yep, that helps. All Thank right. You. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you okay. so much, Patrice. I really appreciate it. All right, let's take a brief break, and we'll be right back.
We are back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with the magnificent Diane Wilburn Parks. Diane, please share a poem. I'm going to share this poem that I really wanted to start with, and it, it really speaks about how uh, I believe that God is in the room with me uh, when I write. And it is entitled Blind Faith. My eyes do not belong to me. They have been donated by God. There's a calling on their lives. One is a poet, the other a painter. Each eye worships God. Each eye praises the other. Both have tiny souls that chapel a mustard seed. Inside the mustard seed, one blind eye of faith. Thank you. Mm. I like to allow your work as I'm listening to it to just sink, soak, sink, soak in. I want to feel it. Your work in my mind, and based on what you've shared so far, is about emotion. Correct me if I'm wrong. Emotion is involved. And my question to you is, can a person be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotion? Well, let me say this, uh, Michael. I feel that, um, okay, let me say it like this. I write poetry to find freedom. That's the first, because there's freedom in poetry. So if I say that someone is not a poet because they don't have strong emotion, I am putting Mm. a square box around that person. I Mm. can only tell you what it means to me. I can say that um, poetry for me is whether you're, Uh, celebrating something, or you have suffered a loss, Um, whether you are in a space to write, because sometimes when you have experienced great pain or discomfort or even elation, it is very difficult to capture those, those feelings into words. And then for some, that's the moment to capture, right? So... Mm -hmm. I think to to say that someone is or is not because of this is not fair because I'm not I, I would not be that person to put a rope around something or put them in a box. I think that people they operate from where they are. For me, it is feelings uh, for mm-hmm. for the most part. I am coming from a place of experience of observation of emotion, of uh, exposure and understanding, and uh, trying to tell a story from a pers- And sometimes just as an observer looking, uh, like, a, like bird watching, looking at a circumstance mm-hmm. or a situation. But I dare not be the one to say that you have to have strong emotion. I believe that you have to feel something. It doesn't have right. to be strong. It could be lukewarm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, yeah. let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is a poem letting your guard down or building a wall? 
Well, I like to say that you can do both. Tell me more. Talk to me. I I think you can do both. I mean, letting your guard down, I think it's about releasing, and that's the freedom that I'm referring to in poetry. Uh, There may be something that you need to say, and you can't say it otherwise. So uh, the freedom of letting your guard down to be exposed and be okay with that exposure. But I also believe that uh, people can use this as a tool to, you know, build a wall around or up uh, just mm-hmm. to not let others come in. And there are, there are very strategic ways to do that too. But um, I think that you can, you can do both. I don't think that there's – and that's why I love poetry. I don't think that there are any um, – Necessary. I mean, unless you want to be, you know, in the world of academia, I am a free verse poet, and I just right. love the idea of being a center line because most of my poetry I write in the center of the line or the page. So I consider myself a center line poet, and I ne- I don't necessarily have uh, stanzas all the time, but I know where the, right. the breaks are in my poetry. But, yeah, so um, I would say, you know, uh, it's undefinable mm. uh, with regards a to a wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say a centerline poet. I want to hear more about that. Tell me more. I've never heard that term well, before, so tell me more. Well, I, you know, I write, you know, in the center of the page. Uh, now, a lot of po- poems are to the left margin. and Yes. Well, I like to shape my poems sometimes, so I do that in the center. And sometimes I have a poem that looks like a scarf on the page. It just flows very, uh, almost like an S. It's a beautiful uh, representation of words. It looks like art. So, you know, as an artist, I'm going to do things a little bit different as a visual artist. I look at the, the words. I like the way they line up in the center, and I don't necessarily have to have stanzas. So, again, I do not follow the norm uh, because poetry gives me the freedom to be whoever mm. I want to be, write it the yes. way that I want to write it. And, and that's what I love about poetry. Um, I have a, a, a poem, and I, I don't have that one queued up for the, tonight, but I have a poem, mm-hmm. and it's, it's entitled The Page and I. And that poem is very sacred to me because it talks about how we release and and just kind of fall on the page. And I don't want any rules about how I fall on the page. So, um, so yeah, I don't necessarily follow uh, the trend of form. Uh, Mm -hmm. it, 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 It doesn't allow me to be free. I think that's a perfect segue into art. You're not only a poet, as I said earlier, you're an artist extraordinaire. And having witnessed your work, it's beautiful. What is the connection between your art and your poetry? Talk about that for me. Well, I definitely want to read one of these poems that will show you the art in the poem because of the color in the poem. But my poetry is sometimes very has so much imagery, it feels like art to me because I use so many colors in my poem. Uh, mm-hmm. And the way they look, 
artistically on the page, it looks like art. And then I say it's layered and it's a little complex. Like Patrice was saying, uh, you have to, there are layers to the poetry and it it doesn't sit on the surface. You you definitely have to navigate down. But I would say um, that the art does that in many ways too. Uh, If you look at some of the art, there are very intricate, very, I mean, very minute um, um, little circles and squares and lines. And I love eyes. If you notice in my -hmm. my work, I use a lot of eyes because there's so much as an observer that we see and sometimes don't say. And I want to put these big eyes, these eyes that are falling outside of the face, these eyes that are lopsided on the face. Um, so the images and the way that I do um, these these wonderful characters in my art, they are very delicate. If you look at what they, they're wearing, um, there are very intricate um, uh, beautifully ornated um, kind of uh, tapestry designs in what they're wearing, some of them. I go very, uh, it, it matters to me what you see mm-hmm. standing back, but it really matters what you see up close. And those, that's right. two different things. It's, it's dimensional, just like my poetry, and I definitely mm-hmm. want to share a poem with you that kind of speaks to color, and it's a sacred poem to me as well. All right. Very Are you nice. okay with me doing that? Yes. Are you okay Please with me share. doing that now? Yes. Okay, of course this, I am. This is about, Michael, this one is about my mother because my mother passed mm. away uh, June of 2018, and this is a poem. It took me a long time before I could write poetry after my mother passed. I did write, I understand. but it was, a dark, it was a dark period in my life. But I think this one uh, really represents the beauty of how I came out of that space. And uh, some of the callers probably have heard, some of the poets that are listening, but I'm going to share this again, and it's called She Comes as a Sunset. She comes in the eve as a sunset with the last sun slipping down her shoulders. My skin gathers for church now and waits for her ghost to arrive. Echo chimes bloom from the distance as she stepped in slowly, wearing the red evening as her gown. I press into warm air with an ear pinched to its skin. I can barely hear her just above the silence in my writing room. We exchange voices. The cursor moves without touch, without doubt. So much of me shines when I feel her presence. Doesn't every adult Orphan wants the chance to be parented again? In our background, a church plays our favorite hymns. We worship everything in this moment, the air, the ache of loss, the bright red bird that flies into my window, the bloodless fever of loneliness, 
the rebirth of our souls, the God we belong to for now, aren't they? This small climb, holy of smells, holy of home, slowly droops above an isolated wind that waits and come back stronger and more spiritual than before. Even now, I feel a Holy Ghost dance excitedly moving in me like an eight-year-old. No one knows that she is here with me, holding me up. I wallow so deep into her soul that I become lost. Each breath, sacred. Each time that we write and suppose, zoetic. The air becomes cold. The cursor stops moving. The chimes from next door rings louder. The wind ungathers my skin, closes its door. My voice becomes colorless. The crimson eve has turned into a night of silvers. The moon is white and orphaned to a dark, parentless sky. I sit alone in my writing room with fingertips pressed against what I now imagine each key to be her fingertips and the air her soft skin that I will always, always lean against. Thank you. Beautiful. Simply beautiful. And this next this next question was written specifically for you, Diane. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do poems change color in certain lights? Does poems You've talked about color. color. You've talked about light. Do they change color? Oh. No, that's, that's kind of different. I think so. I think... Um, I think there's a, a a time where you introduce color. I think in that poem that I just read, uh, there yes. was a shift. There was a transformation mm-hmm. where the yes. sun was, you know, setting, but it was a crimson red. And at the end of Eve, it turned, everything turned silver. It was colorless, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So, mm-hmm. yes, I think mm-hmm. in a poem, yes, there is transformation of color. For sure. Mm, very nice. What surprises you yeah. most about being a poet? What surprises you most? That it is my air. You know, I really didn't realize how much I am connected to poetry. I often, as I said earlier, wonder who would I be if I were not a poet? I don't know because this mm. is all that I know. This is all that I know. I wake up with poetry. I go to sleep with poetry. I paint in between. But my first mm. love, if, we, if I truly answer this correctly, mm-hmm. um, my first love is writing and poetry. So mm. my heart is a poet. My eyes are poets and painters. My hands are poets. My feet, they walk and they wish like poets. So when I think of poetry, my whole body is is just 
an old relic now, but it's still a mm. book of poems. There is so much poetry on the inside of me waiting to be placed in a book, um, but not on a shelf, for sure. And so All right. um, I love poetry. I love, love, love poetry, I but I did want to, I did want to talk about. I don't know how much time we have, but it's important. Oh, for we've me got to time. This. <laughs> we've got time. Go ahead. I, I want to say this. Let me say this. This is going to uh, pull two things together. Doctor Hiram Lewis yes. is magical. <laughs> yes, he uh, is. Because in many ways, I what he has done for me, and I, I always want. And Grace Cavalieri. Uh, they have introduced me to a lot of things, and I just any time I have an opportunity, I want to say thank you to him for so many reasons. Because had it not, I've been doing art for since my children uh, were born. That's when the mm-hmm. art really came present, because it was uh, a place for me to release. You know, I was taking care of these beautiful two children, my husband and I. And after we kind of settled them down, I had an opportunity to do something for myself, and it was to do art. Now, I have a lot of artwork, but they never saw the light of day until Mm -hmm. the Poetry Poster Project. And um, I recall that we were going to be exhibited and uh, have a display in the Metro Building 3 uh, in Hyattsville. And... um, I think Alpha Lewis is the director at that point. I may have her position uh, incorrectly, but she wanted to see artwork with the poems, beside the poems. And the poems were artwork themselves. They were beautiful, the way that Dr. LaRue put them together. Just beautiful. And um, he had them done. And so he asked if I had enough artwork because he knew that I did art. And I said, yes. Well, I didn't. I, I know that he may be listening. But I really didn't have them framed, but by golly, I had an opportunity, and I said I am going to frame every last one of them. And uh, and so that's where it began. Um, and he mm-hmm. has, uh, you know, we we were also the poetry poster project was also um, at the Huntington Center, and I had an opportunity along with some other visual artists to do my, uh, post my work there. You know, he has also been uh, integral, and, you know, we all know how he uh, is the sponsor and father of the Ex-Hunger Project. And the logo, the logo, the empty bowl, that artwork um, was, um, was done for, that purpose for for him to use as often at because as as far as I'm concerned, um, Hiram uh, deserves that and more for all that he has done for me. Um, so mm, and, nice. and great Cavalieri, yeah. So I just want to I want to you know to say that because I do appreciate him and in saying that I appreciate all of the members of the Voices of Woodlawn. And that would be my next point because I do want to um, tell you that the right blend is also a, a you know a poetry circle, which yes. I have uh, I found it, and we have been on your show. Um, yeah, I remember that. It's one of the highlights. Yes, yes, I remember. Yes, yes, two years ago, and uh, yes, but you know, 
if you're ready, whenever you're ready, if you have a question, I have a poem. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Please share a poem. I want to hear your voice tonight. Please share a poem. Okay, so so this was, you know, I, I was telling you that um, Dr. LaRue, uh, you know, he had an opportunity. He invited um, myself, uh, Lady Di, who we know has that beautiful velvet voice and the love poet, and Patrick Washington, who is an amazing, oh, my God, he's such an amazing poet, and Cliff Bernier. So this ensemble is now what we consider the voices of Woodlawn. And um, I wrote this poem after, well, I will say after. It wasn't during the time I, I was at Woodlawn. And this is called The Inherited Journey. I look across fields that flung purple journeys, heavy with sound. Then I go back to the fields of my mind, desperate to see but come up empty. I am here where you were where you plucked the earth, where your whole body was fractionalized and demoralized, where your stood was bent, your fullness emptied. I reach inside your footprints and fingerprints, but the earth has covered you in thick green grass. I know that you are still here because you are pulling me, and the will of your spirit will not let go. I hear your whisper still wailing. My bones crackle like wood burning. The sparks that have spun up are raw. I feel you rattling in my spirit, your bones beating, threading into tattered stories, but the blood is still sealed with the blood of Jesus, never broken. I am from the leaves and the trees of my people, from the eyes and the forgiving hearts, songs and the hopes and the dreams and the wills of my people. I am from the trials and the tribulations and the forget-me-nots of my people, from the hand of pickers, growers, sowers, builders, diggers, cleaners, cookers, fetchers, leaders, thinkers, doers, believers are all my People, I am kept by the field of my mind's eye, where the field is forever becoming much clearer, and the story of my people will reap a harvest from then to now, from as far back as oceans decide, as up close as 40 acres, to the droplets of rain that dances in between the songs of rivers, of hallelujahs, to God's everlasting love and favor. I am the footprint, the voice of the whispers of long ago that spirits the will to fill the hollowed out stories of my people. Thank you. Wow. Just going to take a second here to catch my breath. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Diane, Diane, has a poem ever humbled or frightened you? Mm. No, I'm in love with poems and poetry. I have walked right. away. Now, we, we have okay. not agreed on some things. Yes. 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 Um, yes. I have walked away because the intensity of the emotion 
And sometimes mm-hmm. it's I can't give it what it needs. I can't nurture it in that moment. It may require something different. So I have to come back. I always say this yes. to I say this to Lady Di, I say this to Hiram. Uh, and mm-hmm. I say this to Bernardo and, and Brenda and all of the poets that I talk to on a regular basis, I always say, do you come back the same? I think that I'm always, there's an evolutionary process that happens when you leave the keyboard and you come back or the page. And when you come mm-hmm. back, at least when I come back, I come back differently and mm. I always say, who's that poet that was here that wrote that? And so I know that I'm not alone in the room. I told you that before. Yes, and Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know that, you know, I'm afraid, but sometimes I know that we don't agree, and sometimes I have to give it space and time, and I go back and I said, wow, I am different, and it is different, and this is what it was asking of me to leave it alone for a moment and come back. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you think so, that you were meant to be a poet? Were you meant to be a poet? Were you meant to be a poet? I, of course I was. Of course. <laughs> I, I will not say anything. <laughs> of course. There is no other answer. <laughs> Give me one reason why. One reason why you feel that you were meant to be a poet. One good reason. Michael. <laughs> I have given yes, you several this evening. I've given you several. And look, and look, look, if that's not good enough, let me pull out my extractive form. Do you want to hear my extractive form? Oh, of course I do. <laughs> well, of course I do. <laughs> well, here's the reason, okay? So, so yes. this, this form was published on the Art for Us Countercurrent um, online uh, website. And it was entered mm-hmm. into a contest, but received an honorable mention. And so this, let me tell you where this comes from. You know I love the color blue <laughs> because, of course, the wisdom of blue apple. But guess what yes. I found? I found a city that was blue. It's the, the city of Morocco. It's the it's it's Sichuan uh, city, but it's in Morocco, and it's a blue, and it's the blue city. You got it. You have to. Wow. So, I'll, I'll Google it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely do that. So uh, I was I was looking at this blue city and all of these. Then I started looking at these different color blue doors, and I said, "Wow, look at some of them are splintered, some of them are this, some of them are that." But anyway, I was entering this contest as a visual poem, so I. You know, drew this door. Anyway, the door is not all that cool. It, it looks okay, but it's that blue that I was going for. So anyway, the name <laughs> of this poem, uh, this the name of this poem is Your Face. At times, it's a beautiful door, stern and unwilling. I imagine your lines are the markings of your living that separates each lover's war. Your lips, an altar of whispered flames. Great men have stood before them and burned. There is great distance between the eyes of your past and the eyes of now. The gold that ambers through your iris whispers guilt and shame and dance like birds do. Just underneath the moon of your cheeks, 
a consecrated land still grows. Above the seam of your cheek, a bone rises in deformity. Fruit peels, the soil recalls the year of the trespassers, the ones who wandered in by mistake. Your face, once a beautiful door, now blurred with an antithesis of lines, no longer distinguishable, only the altar that confesses your soul. Thank mm-hmm. you. Wow. Yeah. So that is, <laughs> that is, like I said, that's another reason why I say that I'm a poet. So, yes. I, I, well, <laughs> the name of that city I'm, I'm, I'm is Chef Chowen. Chef Chowen. Chef Chef Chowen, something like that. Yes, <laughs> I'm looking at it now. You, it's a beautiful blue city. <laughs> it's blue. It's yes, it is blue. pretty. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Absolutely. You know, I love it. I love it. We're, <laughs> we're running out of time, and, and there's just so much more I want to ask. But I've got to ask you, though, about the wisdom of blue apples. Tell me all about it. The Wisdom of Blue Apples, uh, you know, this book is really about uh, the little wisdom nuggets that I leave in the books throughout the book. Um, it's very mm-hmm. different because there are poems and there are little wisdom nuggets that I leave throughout the book that explains different sections of the book. Uh, this book is really about, uh, you know, how they say uh, an, an apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, the apple yes. on the tree it's bluest if you just allow it to stay and to connect to its root. Again, you know, uh, blue is spiritual. Um, and for me, if you're connected to the root and if you're doing what you're supposed to do, like this poetry and like the show that you're producing for poets to get acknowledgement and to be able to talk about their work, that is when you're bluest. You are operating in mm. the gifts that you have been given. And so the wisdom mm. of knowing that, the blue apples are indicative of all of the fruit that comes off of the tree. It belongs to the root. And even in barren spaces, as I look at the front of my book, you see a light. Mm-hmm. And um, the light is really about the fruit and how it produces into the light and under the light. But it also Mm. talks about being connected to what you know is your gift and how deep you go into that gift is how you extend the branches of it, how you touch someone and touch others with the gifts that you've been given. Mm. So if you had to convince a friend or colleague to purchase the wisdom of the blue apples, what would you say? Um, it's on, you know, this this book has been on um, uh, Amazon, and I think it has so much in this book. It, uh, it sure surely has wisdom, but this is uh, a book of, there are some love poems in the book. Um, there are All some right. fun poems in the book, and there's some seriousness to the book. So, yeah. All right. Very nice. What do you hope readers get from encountering your work, Diane? What do you hope they get? 
Well, I would love to. Uh, I did this one time before. I went to a university. I've been uh, to Georgia to the school system. I would like for people to be able to look at a poem, take that poem apart, do some analysis. I would love to be in a classroom with my poems Mm -hmm. and to talk Mm -hmm. about uh, the poetry that I write because, as many people will say, you know, there are lines that they kind of get stuck on and then they kind of lose their way through the poem. And so I would like the opportunity to be in universities and different places, you know, um, uh, to celebrate. You know, I, I, I just, I'm trying to do a lot, and I know that I've, I, you know, I have far to go, but I'm so grateful for the spaces that I've been in. And so that's where mm-hmm. I would like to go, into the university. If everybody say, well, where are you trying to get to? I would like to be mm-hmm. in universities um, uh, where my poets, poems are really analyzed and, and talked about. And yes. that's, that's it for me, yeah. It's a wonderful yeah. feeling when that happens because you get a different perspective on what you've written because people view through well, their lenses I, primarily what you've written. Well, I, yeah, it's beautiful. I was recently surprised that my book um, – was one, the Wisdom of Blue Apples is in the Crofton Library as well as um, uh, Annapolis Library. I was very pleasantly surprised that they chose mm-hmm. uh, this book on their national, for National Poetry Month to be on their table. So my book oh, wow. got very nice. to the table. Congratulations. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, thank you. I thought that was really cool. Very nice. Well, the last question I'll ask you tonight, and I've asked this probably 200 times of my guests, of the 200 guests that I've had so far, what do you view as being the role of a poet in modern-day society? I think it's to be able to show others how to release and to have a sense of therapy, uh, a sense of kind of claiming your space to. I think we have to speak out to those things that we believe. Um, to be, even for social justice, I think our poems are a stage and a step for us to be able to represent voices underrepresented and have been underrepresented. I think that uh, for us to be able to, um, you know, kind of release the space that we're in through this pandemic, this isolation, um, these are tools Poetry is a tool and an amazing tool um, that should be used in these um, very, very trying times. Um, so for, for teenagers, for children, um, I think it's a, a soft place for them to land and to create and to be able to voice what they wouldn't otherwise say. And they do it in these poetic words, whether it's spoken words, slam poetry, poetry, whatever, um, so that they can not have this stuff bottled up inside, but have a place yes. where they can release yes. it and others can can love on it, you know. Mm, beautiful. I know we both got to go. We've been on the line for a while, but this is a person that's been yeah. holding on to. I want to bring them on as a question, hopefully for you. I'm seeking I do this. I'm not sure that I can. Area code 216-205, you're on the air with Diane. Hello? Hi, you're on the how air. are you? Hello, Hi. how are you? Hi, Diane. 
Hello, how are you? I am fine. This is Jill. And I am oh just enjoying. God. I am enjoying your poetry. I know whence you come from. So <laughs> it is just a joy to hear you. Is this my cousin Priscilla? Yes, it is. <laughs> Hello, my love. <laughs> Hi. Hello, my <laughs> Southern heart, all the way from the Red Hills of Georgia to the Ohio. <laughs> I am enjoying you. I am so proud of you. And I'm so proud of you. Oh, my cousin, I'm so proud of you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> that that oh, was another big goodness. smile on my face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> my cousin. That's all right. That's all right. That makes me happy. Makes me happy. Diane, where can listeners find your work? And then we're going to close out. Where can listeners find your work? Well, just, you know, I hate to be, you know, this is not, I'm I'm humble. I want people to know this. I am very appreciative. But I uh, can, you can certainly email me at dcwp. DCWP623 at gmail.com. You know, they can kind of Google Diane Wilburn Parks, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm not really sure if they want to reach out. Most of the folks on the call probably already know me. And uh, for others who are interested, again, my email address is DCWP623 at gmail.com. Or you can email me. And uh, I'll get the information to Diane. What's next for you, Diane? And we're going to close. What's next for you, my friend? What's next for you? Oh, I need. I need to. I want to write more and more and more <laughs> books. I need. I need to write a boatload of books. I have manuscripts that I'm ready to to send out the door. So I want to get published. That that is what's up for me right now. And my artwork. Oh my goodness. Yes. So I want to get them in galleries. I want to be in New yes. York Gallery. Why not, right? Beautiful, beautiful work. I mean, incredible. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Hopefully yes. you'll say yes. Would you close with a poem? Would you share one more as the close for us? I just want to hear one more. I just, something's on my heart. Yes. I just need to hear yes. one more. Oh, this, oh, my goodness. You know what? I got the foot. I got the closing poem for you. You're going to be surprised, but it's one okay. that I, kinda, I, I have been waiting to tell you about. And this, is, this poem is a combination of my favorite lines uh, during the time that I wrote this poem. It's all of the favorite lines of a poem, of, of several poems, okay? And it is entitled, mm-hmm. Give Me Light. It is entitled, Give Me Light. In as much as I can take, give me light. In as much as I can dream, give me hope. And the souls of first stars lit by rays that burn with such intensity to love, to crave such harmony that shines as a string of light bellowing in air with every string that falls into knitting. My hope is that you take your place. Take your dreams and swing them over your shoulders across America, across Europe, 
into Africa, India, and Asia. Leave your Mulong teas. Fill every dark space with the candle of your smile. Shave the moon of its starlit dust. Spread your light and hope on others. Open the jar of every heart of you that loves, that sings, and wants, and dreams, and hopes. With the burning rays that rise inside your throat, there is always a sun spinning loose there. There are no secrets. There is no darkness, only light. Love like weddings. Take the gaze from these God-stretched years, these cherished pearled reflections, this daydreaming skin that swells from the blue that glows like mirrors, from the lakes that swoon in shades of blue jade. Give the world the sound of trees full of air and hope. Bend into gold strands that leans into shine and shine with every prayer is a melody. Roll your big, tall heads back in as much as you can take. Give your light. In as much as you can dream, give hope and love like the souls of bright stars. Thank you, Michael. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Diane Wilburn Parks, to me, you are a gift from God to the universe. And um, I want to thank you so much for sharing your work, sharing your heart, just sharing your authentic self. I mean, we could go on for another hour or two. <laughs> yeah. no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm telling you, let me say to you, I am so grateful to, uh, for the work that you do. Uh, and Dr. Ingram, I want to really yes. make this formal. <laughs> I thank you from the bottom of my heart for you to take the time mm. to interview me and to make this such a, a pleasant experience. Thank you for the Good. work that you do. And well, I, I appreciate absolutely that. appreciate you. You know, sometimes I feel weary, whether I'm uh, trying to do too much sometimes, but every time I have a guest like you, it just makes me feel that much more inspired and energized to continue this journey. Working with people, talking about the art and craft of poetry, celebrating who we are, because it's important. Poetry allows you, as you said, to vent, to get it out of your system. Yeah. And that is yeah. so important. So much is happening in this world that could bring you down. And sometimes you yes. just need to write about it and let it go to release it, because if you don't, you could go yeah. crazy. Pardon my language. Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. that is all, right. <laughs> all right, good people. I want to thank you. <laughs> I want to thank all the listeners. I want to thank all the callers. Your love for Diane is palpable. I could tell it. I could feel it. <sighs> I'm going to be crying later on. <laughs> because I feel so good. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I feel so good. <laughs> right. All right, everybody. We did it again. <laughs> we did it again. <laughs> As I share with you every week, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night, everybody. Good night, Diane. Take care of yourself good now. Good Be good. Night. Stay out of trouble. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. 
You can also check out the website at qlpor.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.